0: So you're a huge fan of Atlanta United,
1: and you want Dave to give you the latest insights to our
0: tactics. Pineda five in the back? Are you kidding me? Or maybe you can't f and believe we signed Don Dwyer, and you want to hear Mikey Dobbs rant about it. Well, you've come to the right place. I'm David Katz, and I'm Mike Dobbs, and this is, is the, the ATL on, on Fire podcast. podcast.
1: everybody welcome back to another episode of ATL on fire Dave Cosmo shirt looking sharp my friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> old school how long how long you've been sporting that thing
0: not very long it's a new old school <laughs> love it. But it's nice. Well, uh, I I saw
1: that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo passed uh, Pele as far as FIFA goals go.
0: Right, so there's the this whole <laughs> the controversy right about what counts as an official game or not. FIFA doesn't recognize 200 some odd goals <laughs> of of uh, of of Pele's because there weren't officially recognized games. I heard the commentator say. I've actually scored 1,000 unrecognized That's goals. Right. <laughs> In my dreams. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, but a hell of a stat for Cristiano Ronaldo, even though yeah. I, don't, I, I don't like the guy much. But dang, got to give him props. Even like, uh, He's a robot. He's he really a robot. is a
0: robot. I
1: mean, he just he's a robot. Well, Dave, thank you again for bringing <laughs> uh, some red wine. We're drinking a Chilean cab, right?
0: Yes, it's called Chuga Valley. It's, uh, it's a Laura Hartwig um which is Chilean um it's a Chilean cabernet it's quite nice big yeah real big um <laughs> i don't know if we've had a chilean on the podcast before so I, i'm broadening our horizons love it i'm not going to complain so but for those of you out there who are wine lovers um you really can't go much wrong with a Colchuga valley wine from from chile they're really terrific
1: i'm a fan already and so We,
0: we had a squeaky win,
1: uh, (laughs) yesterday evening. We we had like five o'clock kickoff at the Mercedes Benz, something like that.
0: Yeah. You want to call up our, uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) So I'll call up our predictions here on the, uh, the ATL on Fire Twitter did a poll on would we have a decisive win, a squeaky bum win, a draw, or a loss. It looks like one Charlotte fan snuck into the poll and gave us a loss. Is my, <laughs> my best guess there, but um, most okay. people thought you know eighty percent we'd have a decisive win, and fifteen percent were correct. That's about as squeaky as you can get with a Jake
0: Mulrain. I had squeaky bum win. Woo. For, <laughs> so
1: what is the ter- where did the where does the term squeaky bum come from? It's pretty obvious, right?
0: Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think we don't we don't need <laughs> to explain it. Sure. All right. Yeah, I think it's just leave it alone. Leave Mikey it alone. Dabs, yeah. We're going to leave it alone.
1: So, there we go. There's uh there's that and that leaves us what? Fourth in the table if uh
0: Yeah, if, currently. I mean, you know. If the what is fourth, right? right because uh um, you know there's teams that are two and one um, and two oh and one um, we are of the two oh and one variety two wins and a loss and there are still a couple teams with two wins and a tie there's nobody who's straight undefeated
1: the straight uh, wins and so uh, Columbus and Philly are the only ones in our division without a loss right correct looks like it so um, yeah, you know, you you mentioned it uh, in our preseason podcast, right, that if Pineda was going to get this right, knowing we're not at full speed with our, our squad, we've got to figure out a way to squeak some out here, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I was predicting a very slow start, and I said, look, at best-case scenario, somehow Pineda figures out a way to squeak out a couple of ugly wins, and if he can do that and early, then we get all of our firepower back, we're going to be great. Um, so, so far, you know, well done Pineda. Um, yeah, we got clobbered on the road. Um, but, uh, you know, um, the two wins at home, obviously you got to figure um, Charlotte's not that impressive. They're going to be at the bottom of the table. Yeah. And
1: uh, what did you think about the starting lineup? Obviously we, we left uh, a lot of really great players uh, on the bench. Almada was available Moreno recovering from a foot injury. We even had Sosa back, right? And uh, yeah. and yeah, we we uh, kind of went with a similar lineup with what he's been going with. With Wolf in the game,
0: um, uh, Gutman, Alonzo is back. Correct. Right. Um, yeah. So Alonzo being back was was good. I, I didn't figure Sosa was going to be even on the bench. Um, I think that's a really, really, really good sign because, you know, even preseason before he went back to Argentina for um, the visa issues, um, he was apparently training on his own, getting back from his uh, hernia operation. And um, that surprised me. I would have thought he would have been fully recovered pretty quickly from that. And when he wasn't, I was like, is he going to miss the first third of the season kind of thing? But Um, Seeing him back on the bench means that he's obviously close.
1: Got to be ready to go.
0: The thing that shocked the heck out of me was um, Marcelino Moreno. Um, And it's not a good sign, podcast listeners, because, um, you know, at this point you got to figure that he would be fully, you know, game fit. Um, Three wins in three weeks, you know, of playing, you would think he'd be ready to go, you know, start and go 90. The fact that he's still coming off the bench suggests to me that this is not a fixing problem. It's is a like a long term, like you got to deal with it and manage the minutes kind right. of problem. It's like a turf toe type of yeah. Thing in football, um, right?
1: That's that's a little, it's a little worrisome.
0: Yep. Yeah, because you know you got a figure in um, in in Colorado and in here. If he was at all available to start, um, then he should have. Now we talked about it on the podcast last week that, you know, I was recommending you know, okay, if you, even if he can't go the whole time, why not have him start and play with you know a couple of the better players, um, try to get off on the right foot. Um, I think. I would reverse that for this game, um, because knowing Tiago Almada was available and also likely to come off the bench, if you start him, then he doesn't get to play with Almada. And so um, I don't think you can do that with two players. You can really, you know it's a it's a funny thing to do to start a guy and plan to have him come off at halftime or whatever. You can do it maybe with one. You might be able to do it with two because they still have five subs, and we can talk about should MLS still have five subs. It seems a little crazy to me. Um, Do
1: all the other leagues, are they still going by the five? No,
0: the Premier League's back to three. Okay. Um, But that's pretty recent that they flip back to three, right? Yes, but... um, so maybe, you know, with five, you could perhaps start two in that kind of a scenario. You could have, for example, started Almada and started Moreno and planned to bring them both off. Um, but I think mostly that strategy is really only good for one.
1: Okay. Uh, no Miles Robinson. Happy birthday, Miles. I think it's his birthday today, but he was unavailable because of the red card he got in the, in the previous game, right? Yep. So what did you think about the back four uh, in the first half
0: well you know the one thing we were saying all last year is Hernandez 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 and um, you know when Paneda got a full look at the team it seems like you know Hernandez is the guy now at the very end of this game he did something clever again which is we praised Paneda um, in the first game for actually, um, you know, bringing on Lennon to play in front of Hernandez in this game, he brought on Mulroney, and he put Lennon back to right back, um, which also I think was a clever move. I thought Lennon had a decent game. What do you think? You know, he is what he is, right? Um, but as what, but out of what
1: he is, out of what he is, like I felt like he gave us a, a good version of Lennon. I, I agree, but
0: I think uh, Brooks Lennon when this team has all of its creativity Moreno and Almada and um, Araujo I think Brooks Lennon becomes a real weapon because his ability to serve a ball opens up the game and he can pick out players he's really good at that Um, when he suddenly becomes the uh, the focus of defensive attention then you start to see he can't beat a guy and he struggles and he just you know becomes this possession guy um, I thought he did about as well as you've seen him play. I mean, obviously, he got behind a guy um, for the penalty kick. Um, you have to say it's not a credit to Charlotte that, yeah. that Brooks Lennon outpaced their left back. Um, that's, you know, you're not going to see that too often. Yeah. Uh, there was a play, though, in the first half that was interesting. You know, it was um, Hernandez played a, uh, a beautiful ball right along the touchline to... Um, to Brooks Lennon it was about halfway through the first half he was well out in front of the attackers and one of the things I noticed uh, where uh, my wife was also pointing it out that um, the mid players um, Martinez and um, Jose too they weren't running that hard nobody had any confidence that he was going to either a take on that guy or beat that guy right they were just like, well, he's just going to come back to us. And right. I think that says a lot.
1: Now, I, I gave us a D- minus in the first half just because I'm just going <laughs> on emotion, and I tweeted that mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of ATL and Fire. I don't know if that's your opinion, Dave, but I thought it was a pretty lackluster first half. Charlotte had the better chances. We had two or three good, good chances in the first half. But overall, I felt like Charlotte could have easily gotten a goal in the first half.
0: Um, I think D's harsh. Um, we had seventy three percent possession. I think we had the better of the chances. Um I don't know about that. I th- think I think what you were reacting to is the fact that with seventy three percent of the possession, why we're not getting better chances. Um and I yeah. think that's where you have to be disappointed.
1: No, and I I felt like we had good chances. We had chances we should have finished. Um maybe even three of them in that first half, if I recall. But I also felt like Charlotte had three that were pretty equal in terms of whatever the rating, if you're going to give it the Dobbs X rating, I would say (laughs) they're, they're pretty well matched in terms of having an opportunity to go in the back. I didn't
0: see what the expected goals were from the game. Did you?
1: I did not. And I'd be curious what that was per half too. Um, so what what uh what went well out of the gates um you know you knew charlotte was going to play um a, a certain way against uh an atlanta team playing at home what anything unusual from your perspective in terms of the way charlotte approached the game or you know how did you grade them
0: um if you're a charlotte fan it's gonna be a long season um they don't look to me like they have any kind of second gear at all right there's there's no dynamic right you know they have a lot of guys who are strong they're you know decent on the ball or whatever but there was not there was no interchanging there was no movement there was no not a lot of creativity um not the kind of things that make defenders worry so if you're charlotte you have to say look you got to be really, really disciplined defensively, um, and really work on your free kicks because um, they're not going to score goals. Yeah, um, I don't know. I felt like
1: again they they seemed a little more dangerous than I was expecting. Um, I hear what you're saying in terms I of think having that's a ne- next- your
0: expectations. Talking, maybe you're expecting them to be so so bad. I was.
1: I was expecting. <laughs> well, I thought I, I thought after their home opener, they were going to be kind of coming down from a little bit of a adrenaline high hangover because i felt like watching that game they played over their ability so i thought them coming to atlanta was going to be much tougher for them than yeah they were the really game.
0: unlucky in that game you know la scored really late and it was all to play for you know um they were working their butts off in that game in front of the huge crowd and um probably deserved better probably deserved yeah. to draw in that game
1: so uh seemed like some some Fans came down from Charlotte. Had a couple uh, guys sitting in front of me. They were nice, nice guys. Steven. starting the rivalry. Mikey, Dobbs. starting the rivalry. Um, we we got to have a couple more wins losses for it to be a real rival rivalry. But uh, I'd much prefer Charlotte uh, fans over Orlando fans if if I got to pick a rivalry little more tolerable for me oh Cause, for sure because i might actually you know have a real problem <laughs> with orlando, orlando
0: is kind of like you know how it's so spursy <laughs> orlando will find a way to do something yeah. yeah I mean, orlando is just a thorn
1: of just yeah people mm-hmm. it's like it's not in the panhandle but if you've ever been in the panhandle florida dave it's a scary place if you stopped at a gas station outside of like you know I've the night nice, to disney world does nice that
0: p- count oh <laughs> good good
1: point yeah let's go back to orlando it says do you enough. know
0: like Dobbs? here's a little tangent when, when i was a kid um i was walking into disney world and uh we went through the gates and like a bunch of like sirens went off or whatever and they were celebrating their whatever anniversary and i was a customer or whatever and i want okay. to Uh, a pass that can be used anytime during your life (laughs) that's awesome Uh, needless to say i've basically never been back (laughs) so yeah sorry about that Uh, disney (laughs) walt
1: hooked you up uh but no no go um so i also
0: saw years ago there was another funny story um there was, uh, Ryan Giggs was on vacation, you know, and so many of the European players at that time vacation in the U S because they weren't really recognized as much. Right. So he was on vacation as a young kid. Um, and he was in Florida. He goes to Disney world and he walks in and all these people, they're European tourists. Right. And so they all come up to him, you know, asking for autograph, autograph. And you know, he's got a camera crew following him around like Ryan Giggs beach vacation, whatever. And finally, somebody from the Disney Corporation comes up to him and says, why are people asking you for your autograph? (laughs) Who are you? So it goes to show you. I think that's a great story because, I mean, could you imagine anybody from Manchester United showing up at Disney World now? I mean, everybody would know who they are, even Americans.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. It's changed completely. True. Well, the EPL is grown in so much popularity and that went to the the atl and fire trivia uh from from the last podcast i mean soccer in the u.s and in terms of popularity includes you know eyeballs on the epl right and it's 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 amazing um you know some of the people that weren't watching soccer at all five ten years ago now are tuned into the epl and just you know love the rivalries that it has and Again, that's what I'm excited about. It's more fun
0: when it's at home, Dave. It's more fun. (laughs) So how do you then feel about Charlotte breaking our attendance record, right? Uh, Is that a good thing because there's lots of fans, or do you think that that's a total fluke and they're never going to have that ever again?
1: Uh, Well, here's the thing. (laughs) I'm I'm conflicted. I I hope that they have great attendance, honestly. I mean, that's only good for us. It's only good for Atlanta United to have a rivalry and soccer to be that popular in the South. I mean, hands down, it's awesome. I mean, it's exciting. Um, if you really want soccer to be next level in the MLS, you have to have that. So you're damn right. Charlotte fans get in the stadium and support it because um, it's, it's a hell of a lot more fun than a lot of other sports. I mean, I think baseball is a total snoozer. I mean, I love playoff baseball, hmm. but the regular season of baseball is just like, it's just statistics until you
0: get to the playoffs. Um, now you're going to have a zillion doubleheaders to try to make up for the first two weeks. Yeah. So maybe that's better. Well, it
1: sounds like baseball is also coming to uh, a resolution on their, their terms from what I heard. Yeah, it's done right. They, yeah. They're,
0: they, they are going to have all 162 games, yeah. but they're squeezing it into a shorter season by having a bunch of doubleheaders. Uh, okay. so uh, Maybe that's, that's, that's maybe that's more no, entertaining. No, I don't know. maybe, I don't know.
1: Shorten the game. Like, <laughs> have, I don't even know. Baseball, like in general, is just boring. Um. So yes, Charlotte people go out there and support Charlotte. I hope you guys fill fill the stadium every week. I'm I'm about it. Um,
0: They might need a better team before that happens.
1: Yeah. Back to the game. (laughs) Back back to the game, though. You know, break break down what you liked and disliked about um,
0: just the the tactics in general,
1: the way the team looked.
0: You know what's interesting? Um, To be honest, the team doesn't look that different from what it looked under deboer um the outside guys go forward a lot um, automatically um you know the the formation is basically the same um you know you could argue that we've upgraded a little bit the talent since then um that's one thing that's happened um and maybe pineda is much more willing to have them try to go forward and make a mistake and so yeah that's on him but you know honestly what our tactics seem like which is not a terrible thing our tactics seem like what the modern football is doing right now it's like if you had to go and pull the world of football and say what is modern tactics look like what is the 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 most common lineup or formation that's being played that's what we're doing yeah 433 right yeah well it's not just even a 433 but it's it's a 433 with the outside guys going really far um up the field pretty quickly um tactically it's 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 pretty generic um you know that being said you know we have one of the best lineups in the whole league so do you have to do anything more than that no maybe not
1: gutman what do you think of his performance
0: gutman is terrific um, Hernandez is terrific. Yeah, um, I think that we we have a serious upgrade that's going to really help us. And it does feel like the back four ultimately could get to the point where we're giving up, you know, one goal a game. Um,
1: I, I love the fact that Pineda has recognized Hernandez is the better fullback and Lennon is better positioned, you know, in front going up the wing like we saw using his speed, using kind of that cl- classic, you know, you, you know what you're going to get from him, but that's what you get. And uh, it was a penalty, right? Which was the, the first goal.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hernandez plays an amazing, you know, 40, 50 yard ball straight over, and and hits the perfect weight to it that allows Lennon to get in behind um, for the penalty. Um, one of the things you say about Pineda that's an upgrade even on you know, i us say De Boer. Um, he seems to recognize the talent better than De Boer is. Like he can actually De Boer. We were constantly questioning you know, who's the right guy here. When we said, okay, this is what our lineup should be barring last year where he didn't want to tweak stuff. It seems like for beginning of this year, the lineup has been exactly what you would expect. Right. I agree. Uh, so he's not overthinking it. Right. Remember we were constantly talking about Deboe or maybe he's overthinking it. He was,
1: um, and he, you know, he switched the formation around a little bit more just overthinking it. Like we've got the players to play four in the back and, uh, Yeah, even with, you know, last week where he had to put, you know, George Campbell in a unique situation, I think he
0: didn't overthink it. He was like, that was the logical thing to do. Kept the formation the same and moved Campbell into that spot, which made a lot of sense. Like, look, he was like, look, we have three terrific center backs, and at that time we really didn't have many good midfielders available. And so that made a ton of sense to me, right? I didn't think he was going to do that. Um, And I would have said, you know, the De DeBoer wouldn't have done that. Um, so that's, you know, Pineda getting it right for the most part. Um, I like that. Now, that being said, the thing that still bothers me, and this is, you know, maybe not a critique of, um, of Pineda so much as it is the, the current sexy formation, you know, we again are having Hernandez and Gutman fly up the field. And a number of times when we gave up the ball somewhere in the middle... They're scrambling to get back and not getting back. I mean, there was one time in the first half where we gave up the ball and Gutman was so far up the field making a run, um, and they had a counterattack, Charlotte did. Um, George Campbell was in the middle, never looked out wide. If if the guy had any kind of vision, right, he would have put him right in for a goal. A good team would have punished us for that, and that worries me.
1: So the penalty against uh, Lennon, penalty or no
0: for for you? (laughs) I think shambolic defending, but yeah, penalty. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm always of the persuasion that um, I hate these penalties when they're not really going anywhere. Um, You know, when they're kind of towards the edge of the box. That being said, in that case um you know no he's not going straight to goal but he's behind him and he's gonna have a chance to put in a super dangerous cross so in that point to me if the guy make you know if the defender makes any kind of you know illegal way to obstruct that that's got to be a penalty and it was a clearly he put his arm out he shoved him i think it's a clear penalty
1: i agree you know i was on the opposite i wasn't you were in the, our seats i was in uh the corner on the far end uh with our friends who were nice enough to uh, take us to the game. And you could tell from even a hundred yards away, it was a penalty. Like it was like, you could see the initiation of the arm going up and pushing. Like I could see it from that far away that, you know, it was not shoulder to shoulder and that he probably didn't need to do it. It seemed kind of obvious even from there. So when I went back and looked at the replay, I agree. It was just kind of lazy defending, honestly, just,
0: one thing I, I think we should educate the, the listeners on is that, you know, there were a bunch of people, you know, with sort of <laughs> holding their breath, thinking, oh, maybe VAR is going to overturn that. One of the things you should realize is that there was zero chance that VAR could have overturned that. Because VAR, when, when, they're, when they're looking at penalty decisions, a lot of times it's handball, whether his arm was in an unusual situation or not. When it comes to a foul – Right. The only time VAR is going to overrule it is if there's no contact where the guy, you know, dove or whatever. As long as there is contact, even if the VAR official feels that the contact doesn't warrant a penalty, the ref on the field blew a penalty. So as long as there's contact, they cannot overrule that. That's the way the rule works. Yep. So there was never going to overrule that. People were all in, my, in our section were like, oh, you know, VAR, whatever. I'm like, I'm not worried when I order. They can't overrule that. It can right. never happen.
1: So, um, Joseph Martinez steps up, does his stutter, stutter <laughs> kick classic that drives me crazy. But you know what? Puts it in the back of the net.
0: And yeah, I put it right in the corner because the goalkeeper was who was terrific all night for Charlotte. You know, if you got to say one thing about Charlotte, they look like they have terrific goalkeeping. And he came close to getting that ball. He guessed right, yeah, he but it was right in the corner.
1: So. What minute was that? That that was like the fifty third minute, something uh, like that. It was
0: like closer to 58, okay. fifty eight. Okay. So it's interesting, you know. Um, you know, uh, didn't. He had a short leash. You know, it was very clear that Almada was coming off the bench and uh, Marina was coming off the bench. It was just a question of when. And again. Um, You know, normally as a coach, you would say, look, don't put them on at halftime because that's just a waste. You got guys who are arrested. Even if you plan to bring them on, why not have them run their butts off for five or ten minutes and, you know, basically tire themselves out and then you have an extra player to bring on. So um, that makes total sense that they don't come on at halftime, right? And then the question is, okay, how long is the leash going to be? You know, are you saying, look, are they doing well? If they're doing well, he waits ten minutes, whatever. Pineda was having none of it. I mean, they were lined up and ready to check in at the 52nd minute. That's seven minutes into the second half, Mikey Dows. So you like that move? Yes. Okay. That's, that's what <laughs> because I'm i Because what I said is that, you know, even when I saw the lineup, right, you would say, okay, if your plan, if you're Pineda, you know, God help you. You think Charlotte's terrible and we should score against them no matter what. We should have a lot of possession. But if we don't, as long as we stay at 0-0 to the time when you can get Moreno and Almada in the game, you figure you're going to win it. Yeah.
1: So tell me what you saw with Almada and, and Moreno as soon as they came on. Did it change anything? Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, so let's start with Almada. Um Hardly saw much. He ran around a lot. Um, he showed a lot of activity. I was watching him, you know, consciously, just watching him, seeing where he was moving. Um, the movement was terrific, and but he just didn't get on the ball very much. Um, and I also would have said that um, in the few touches that he did get, um, clearly he has good feet. Um, he had no problem in tight spaces. Um, but I would say, look, you know, total jury out like nobody knows. Yeah. Um, as for Moreno, um, you know, I love the guys over at Dirty South. I think they did a great job. Their player ratings, they had Moreno as like a six that, you know, oh, he did some okay things. Not in my book. He changed yeah. the game. Like yeah.
1: well, Every time, I mean, Moreno, I'm a fanboy. I feel like he's the only one that just changes the, the momentum. I think, again, always the knock against Moreno is like he's had some moments in front of goal where he could have done better. But boy, in the middle of the field, like the way he sets people up is just second to none. Well, on the one team. thing
0: that a lot of the casual viewers and <laughs> to be honest with you, a lot of the youth soccer coaches, right, they see a guy who doesn't really blaze past people, and you know, he's constantly getting bumped around and whatever, he's not running by people, and they think, ah, oh, he's a little bit slow, he's a little bit plodding, you're not watching the game, because he is going at spaces, and he gets bumped, but he never goes down, no. he has amazing balance, and he's still running with the ball, and as a result, people have to come to him, as soon as people come to him, he makes Fabulous yeah. decisions
1: And by the way The most foul guy In the MLS Last year <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a reason for it Yeah There's a reason he, for he, that. he is He is pure Pure class And of course um, Which I think We'll get to And show the The podcast listeners Who are watching On the YouTube channel um, <laughs> The Moreno ball For the For the goal um, You know When he plays the ball Out to um, To Maul You know It's 50 yards It never gets More than you know 5 6 feet off the ground i mean when you good see, lord that was a ball
1: when you see a ball like that you're like oh something's about to happen <laughs> something's about to happen you <laughs> just
0: you just don't see that ball yeah. i mean when's the last time you saw that ball yeah I, just, I mean we're watching you know you and i are watching premier league we're Liverpool, watching some real madrid Wolves, we're watching you know barcelona team. i don't never seen that ball yeah that was a hell of a ball i just don't see that right so um good on it someone else the six you know for that kind of thing but i'm like you know i'd give him a 10 just for that ball
1: so before uh before that we ended up getting scored on though by uh by charlotte off of a set piece corner kick um my end of the field where i was sitting in the same corner where the the corner was taken um you have some strong opinions about yeah i wanted
0: to break this down you know um So, you know, again, going back to last season, Pineda says that he lets his assistant coaches work on, you know, uh, free kicks, corner kicks. Um, And you can see offensively, we actually had a couple of plays that were drawn up. Um, Didn't work that well. But, um, okay, at least we're trying some things. I, I think if we offensively, if we're doing sort of that trick play every time and not just sometimes just, you know, sending in a beautiful ball, I think that's a mistake. Um, but I do like to, to, you know, to vary it up. That keeps people on their toes. But let's go to defensively. Um, so for
1: the YouTube watchers here, we've got it pulled up on the screen here. So Dave, describe what you're seeing uh, as the ball is uh, about to be kicked here.
0: So Atlanta United is playing um you know mostly zone they have one two three four five players who are zoning straight across the six yard box just outside of Guzan, right and clearly charlotte is prepared for that because charlotte starts the corner kick so typically you see a lot of guys inside they don't have a single player inside the six yard box basically right maybe in the front post there's one guy but but they they're five main players who are going to goal at are the,
1: at the penalty spot they kind of stacked up in a group.
0: exactly and and that's a nightmare for the zone marking because so if you know you're playing against the zone right you just can overload a spot and so they bunched four or five guys right up near post just outside the six yard box it starts out we only have two players there as soon as the ball is served, one of the players comes – I think George Campbell comes out and becomes the third player. But we're still talking about originally four or five against two and eventually four or five against three. So they have a numerical advantage. So do you want me to run tape here? Yeah, so you can let it let it play. Okay.
1: Tell me when to pause, but here comes the kick.
0: So there's the cross, and it's a header. Um, you know, so I think um, – if you go back and try to pause it um, right around the time he's making the header and play it again. So um, first of all, I should say that the header is not that strong, right? So go one more now. Pause. Okay. So the header is not that strong. So Mikey Dobbs has paused it. The Charlotte player has headed it. Um, And Guzan is, He's slow to come over. I think he might have been a little bit blindsided by Gutman standing right in front of him. There's a
1: lot of players on that side, you know.
0: Not a lot, just Gutman. (laughs) (laughs) But he is standing right in his sight line. But anyway, he ultimately gets a full hand on the ball. I think he's got to save that. Um, That's not so good. But that being said, here's my problem, right? My problem is that when you play zonal marking, right, So much of focus is to have players close enough to a space where they can go after the ball and get it out. Okay. If you don't win that first ball, Okay. Nobody is assigned to staying with anybody. And this is happening over and over to us. So you'll see this ball is headed towards the goal, and it's only a question of whether he's going to save it or not. But if that ball had been flicked a little bit, if it had been headed down towards the near post, if he heads it and Guzan makes a save, two Charlotte players peel off, and they end up standing front post and near post wide open. Yeah, nobody around them, right? That is going to cost us goals, Mikey yeah. Dobbs. The,
1: the whole zonal group that stepped into the bunch, let the flankers come out, and we got a pinzer movement on the outside. <laughs> yeah, the side
0: and that's movement. what happens all the time to the zone. To me, the biggest problem with the zone. I mean, I, I've talked about how you have two guys, and you're not really sure which of the ones going to head it, and the guy steps right in between. That happens, and I think that's a problem. I think even a bigger problem is what happens after the initial contact. Because, you know, I was making this analogy before. Like, if you're playing zone in the NFL, right, you know, in the zone in the NFL, you know, quarterback's throwing it, and you're trying to either knock down the pass or tackle the guy once he gets the pass. There's no secondary ball. In soccer, that's not true. Often the ball gets knocked down to a secondary ball. And if you don't track the secondary runners, they're going to score. Yeah. Is there anything
1: else you want me to point out in this play? I mean, that's pretty much it right there. Look at that. That ball, if it ends up on the back post in any way, Brad fumbles it. uh, It gets flicked. Again, we got a guy wide open. There's
0: two Charlotte players running towards our goal, near post, far post. Even with the post on both sides, neither of them are marked by anybody.
1: So, in general, you like to bitch about zone uh, defense on a corner. Even though you're not against it. You think that the majority of it should be man-to-man and then leave like one or two players zone at most?
0: Yeah. um, You know, Tata (laughs) loved to keep things simple, right? He had basically a complete uh, man-to-man marking scheme, and then he had Joseph Martinez who would play at the front post. Um, and occasionally he would allow one of the center backs in the middle as a free-floating guy, um, and it was great. We were, I think, basically top in the league in defending against corners. Yeah. Um, keep
1: it simple. Yeah,
0: keep it simple.
1: So do you want to go to the Moreno pass?
0: Yes. You right. should go find the Moreno pass. i will see. Um, while you're doing that, um, I will say that... Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about was once again um Alonso um he was his movement and class is really terrific. Um he reminds me a lot of Santi Sosa. Um both of them read the game beautifully. They boss around the field. They take up good spots and they're good in the tackle. Um and you know what I would say is you know what he's going to end up doing for us is that a when santi sosa has played a couple of hard games in a row Alonzo's going to sub him we're not going to miss a beat that's one thing and b we go on the road to certain huge hard places to play in why not play them both right, right. and really say look okay we're going to be really solid when you do that, then you're going to take off one of you know the attackers, but you still can leave the room for Almada Moreno, Araujo, and Martinez. You just don't get the you know let's say a Brooks Lennon. Um, it's probably worth doing that. Or you take off a Jose. Too, uh, I think that's going to change our options. All
1: right. Here's here's the magic
0: right here, Dave. I got it <laughs> on the
1: screen here. So I think this is it, right? Tell
0: them what they're going to see.
1: So who is that that played the ball out wide to Moreno? He's Campbell, just shy of the 50-yard line. Moreno picks it up. Run tape. Moreno.
0: I mean, look at how he's going sideways. (laughs) And
1: just plays such a curling ball right to the top corner of the 18. Moreno cuts it back. Oh, Moreno's left-footed. Mulraney. Mulraney. Thank you. Mulraney. And there's the inverted winger. Uh, yeah, I knew you were going to yeah, say it. There's the inverted winger working because that's starting. Like, who else? Uh, D- Dom Dwyer did it the other day.
0: It's twice in two games. Twice in three games. Yeah. So maybe Pineda's <laughs> uh, found the magic. We didn't score an inverted <laughs> winger goal all season that season. And we scored two and three yep. games. Um, you know, it's funny because I would say, like, look, it never happens um, in both of the goals, right? It was a long diagonal ball setting up a guy who got really one-on-one, isolated out wide, and was able to cut in and really be dangerous. Um, That only happens when you play very quick in transition and get someone out on the run or a 40, 50-yard ball. But, you know, if we can keep playing that ball, and if the other players like Araujo, et cetera, are really um, running and preventing people from getting over there, then... You know, if you had to have a guy isolated around the top of the corner of the 18-yard box, right, and there's no help, which happens rarely, yeah, then sure, an inverted winger is great. Um, That's what it's supposed to be for. We just, it just never happens, you know, so um, maybe I'm wrong. Mikey does. What do you think? You think that that's a, a fluke and it's never going to happen all season? Or you think it's going to happen a lot?
1: I mean, I just uh, – I don't have too much of an issue with the inverted winger thing because I think it does provide a lot of advantage when you've – because I, I played out on the sidelines side much much in my day too and enjoyed kind of cutting in and using that angled space with your strong foot. Yeah. It feels good. Um, now, again, to your point, it's all about the stats and – what it means in terms of goals and assists right so I'd, well the thing I'd, you
0: have to say though is for those moments how many times do you give up a chance where you know uh moreno is running through the middle or an Arujo is running through the middle they draw the defense in they play it out wide to those guys and they have a chance either to cross it or to get to the end line and cross it and they when they're inverted, like a Mulraney's inverted, and he won't to to, do it. Then and then he just to to cuts it right back into rip, the...
1: Rip one, that goes over the post, and then it's... Well,
0: like... that or a lot of times he cuts into the middle, and there's two guys defending there, and he never yeah. even gets a shot off. That too. Because yeah. uh, you saw it actually um, early in the half. Um, there was another diagonal ball, and I don't remember who made it. You can probably go back and find it if you wanted, but... Um, because you gets behind their left back off a really long diagonal pass. Yeah. Right. And there he takes a beautiful first touch in and he ran right into goal. It was the first chance we had on game. He should have scored. But the thing that allowed him to do that was him being left footed. You are never going to make that diagonal touch and get in behind the guy. If you are, if that's your weak foot. Yeah.
1: Overall grade of the game
0: overall grade of the game
1: since i gave us a d minus in the (laughs) yeah in the first half i i I finished with the b minus uh obviously super excited about the overtime goal um and that's that's the only reason i'm giving us a b i mean of course yeah a a b
0: i have to agree i think a b i mean Um, on the one hand, you're like, it's not going to hold up well long-term in the season that we barely squeak by Charlotte. People are going to hammer them and you're going to say, look, you know, um, if this is mid season or, you know, three quarters of the way through the season, Charlotte coming to Atlanta, you got to figure you're beating them by like two, three, four goals is party time. Right. Um, That being said, with the team that we have playing, I think that, you know, that tempers things a little bit. And, You have to say good on them for getting any kind of W. So you're definitely not going to give them some kind of A where we, you know, even with our subs or whatever, we just were dynamic and whatever. Um, I think it's a little harsh to go to like a C where you're like, uh, we really didn't get it done. We did possess the ball, we did have what I thought were the better chances, Um, you know.
1: So we got Montreal coming up on Saturday.
0: Well, one more thing I was going to say is. So Mulraney coming off the bench, you know, we were talking about the problem with our team depth-wise is that when you have Mama all playing, right, Moreno, um, Martinez, uh, Almada, and Araujo, Mama. Um, Mama, then the question is who changes the game off the bench? And I was saying maybe Josh Wolf. He has looked somewhat dynamic. I think he would look better against really tired players in the 70th minute but the guy maybe who could be it is Mal Rainey. But you know what? Josh, can Moreni jo- change the game off the bench? Yeah, well he always has, I think. I think you know,
1: when when put in the right situation he do, he can change things off the bench. So that's not new for me. It's when you over use his role know, when he he's changing. starting it's yeah. a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's fantastic off the bench. I think I actually like the fact that uh, Tyler Wolf is getting so many minutes early on here. This is a real advantage to him and his Mm -hmm. development. And you're seeing it like, I mean, he should have had a goal last night and um, he'll learn from that. Like I I felt like he could have done better in the previous game. He scuffed one that we talked about. Um, he, He could have had a goal. And unless you get those minutes, you don't learn from those. And I think he's learning like probably his soccer IQ right now is going through the roof in terms of what he's learning. He's obviously got the pedigree so I think it's just a matter of time before we see Tyler Wolf start to put some in the back of the net. And that'll be, if, if I'm correct on that, that'll be a real luxury for us as a, as a team that's got, you know, good talent already.
0: I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you. So yes, I think it's great that he got all those minutes early and that yep. should help him. The reason why I'm going to disagree with you is even over those three games, it seemed to me like he's disappearing more than he is getting better. Mm. I don't know. I thought he played better against Kansas City. I thought he was middle against Colorado. And to be honest with you, I thought he was poor against Charlotte.
1: I, well, I agree. I think poor against Charlotte in terms of the finishing, the finishing moment, for sure. And well,
0: not just the finishing. His, you know, his movement, his dynamic. He just yeah. wasn't on the ball as much. He wasn't um, as dangerous. Well,
1: in the other game, he had the assist, in my mind, yeah, Joseph had the f- little cheeky heel flick to airsia that was the mm-hmm. first the first game, mm-hmm. but it was all Tyler Wolf's movement, sure that created that that yeah, play, I thought, thought he was
0: great against Kansas City, right out of the yeah. gate, he looked really fresh and excited now yeah. he looks like you know an eighteen year old who's a little tired all right. You've said your point point. and i would say look hopefully then you get refreshed by now going to the bench and coming on for the last 20 minutes and then you can be both you know full out
1: yeah for that um anything else to close out the game last night what did you think about the fans at the mercedes-benz it was kind of quiet there in general right
0: Yeah, um, you know, I think you and I got a pen, uh, an op-ed, you know, to the AJC because, uh, yeah, we're trying to come up with a few more chants or whatever. Um, We talked in the podcast at the parking lot how they gave us bracelets that are supposed to have all the chants. There's two things that have to happen. One is there has to be more player chance. The other thing that that you have to realize in Mercedes-Benz, so if you look at our chance. The ones that work best in Mercedes-Benz are the call and response, right? So the best chant that we have is Atlanta, United, Atlanta, United, where the where the um, supporter section is saying Atlanta, the rest of the crowd is saying United. Um, there was a moment in the game where they had Joseph Martinez call and response. Yep. It worked really, really well. Um you have to realize in that big of a stadium, because it's so big and the sound takes a little while to get to places, it's kind of difficult for everybody to sing at the same time. Um, even if you have them doing that. Yeah. So um, I'm not saying they should make everything call and response. I love the chant. We are the A from way down South, but. Um, they didn't do that last night, did they? They did a little bit. Yeah, okay. but not as much. Um but what needs to happen is you have to realize that stadium. What's good? What works? What doesn't work? And I think having more songs that are call and response would really help. Because um, when the whole crowd responds, it's really loud. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it needs to be about individual players more than just you know things. And then of course the third aspect, we still have this. You know, the Viking Clap ATL is a great chant, right? But the guy who's orchestrating it and running it needs to be able to see the game and decide when to do it. What they're doing right now is they always do it, you know, six, seven minutes from halftime, six, seven minutes before the end of the game. I get that what they're trying maybe. The idea is, you know, we're we're wearing down a little bit, get the crowd fired up for the last five minutes. Yeah. But it's a chant. That works really well when there's nothing going on. As soon as people start, you know, excitement about a play, it gets in the way of that and it disappears. So that needs to be something that's seen by the the orchestra leader, for better words, um, and actually used in good spots. Yeah. Right. There needs to be some thought put
1: into it. I know (laughs) it was really flat last night. I
0: thought, well, and it also becomes flat when everybody's expecting the same thing at the same time, it becomes monotonous. You're like, okay, this, you know, we always start with, we ready, we ready. We always get the Viking clap with six minutes to go in the half. Like, you know, there's certain spontaneity to knowing, you know, if we have a, of a spell of possession, and and we can get that going and keep and get excited right. would work. Or if we're under the defense, you know, for a little while and you know, basically being pinned in for a little while, you can get us out of it.
1: So Archie was it Archie Eversall? Is that am I pronouncing that correctly? He's the yeah. one he did the we ready chant. Yeah, right. He right, finally right. responded to my Twitter uh DM uh and you know, maybe we can coax them to do do something. Do we need something else original. Like yes. We need some Atlanta locals to bring us And with more, our amazing Atlanta yeah.
0: tradition of hip-hop, et cetera, right? Totally. You would think we could take some really famous, you know, sort of hip-hop tunes and do some kind of call and response to it um, and, and really be original.
1: Yeah, instead of Eels doing, like, a silly rap thing on YouTube on a desk, like, actually, let's actually create some content that – I mean, there's so much talent, you know, that even Dr. Dre would be jealous of from the Super Bowl halftime that Atlanta hip-hop should be able to do do something with Atlanta United. I
0: mean, now, on the flip side, I would say you have to give them credit for the TIFO. The TIFO was amazing. I missed it. Um, at the beginning of the game, it was Arthur Blank in his, like, I'm the man kind of, like, pose. Yeah. And then it had the trophies on the bottom. And each trophy, it said, these are trophies you don't have. <laughs> <laughs> With Charlotte, you know, it's our three trophies, the Champions Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, and our MLS Champions title. So we had three trophies. Yeah. Um, and it said, hey, Charlotte, these are three you don't have, which is a bit harsh because they couldn't have it. There's only the third yeah. game, but – they're not getting it this year, Mikey Dobbs. Well, hopefully he didn't
1: have Arthur Blank in 2016 with Tom Brady standing next to him. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. ah, Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Yes. Going back to Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think he was inspired by Cristiano Ronaldo. I know. He, he, he was at
0: he was at, at Old Trafford yeah. to watch Cristiano Ronaldo score his hat trick, and I think he said, I still like when people
1: <laughs> <Yeah. cheer laughs> I think <for laughs> me. that's <what> <laughs>
0: so you know credit to the premier league you brought you know if you're out there tampa bay fan right you should write a thank you note i
1: think there's a lot to that i'm not gonna lie like i think there's was some emotional play there with him watching you know yeah yeah there's something to it although
0: to be fair honestly um i don't really think he ever truly retired like it was a bit of a ploy
1: yeah. I right? mean you
0: gotta it's like Brett
1: Favre, you gotta create a little bit of drama There's before. Drama. I'm yeah. taking
0: my talents to South Beach, you know, LeBron yeah. style. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so what do you think about Montreal? We're gonna win that game? It's at home again. Montreal's not a great team.
0: Who's is, the, who's, is who's, Montreal who's, not a great team? So if you well, we bring up the table, um we can look. But um so I, I think that Montreal is not a great team, but they're not also a terrible team. Um, they're at the bottom of the table, Dave. <laughs> so they've had a tough schedule. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the case they've played. Click on that, right? Yeah. Um, they, Yes. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they lost to Philadelphia. They lost to New York City FC. They did lose to Orlando, but New York City FC and Philadelphia are two really good teams, right? So they've had a tough schedule. Um, I don't think Montreal is terrible um, at home, though. You got to win that game, um, and you know <laughs> the question I have, I will throw back to you is: before you ask me whether we're going to win, who who's playing? <laughs> like, is Sosa back and playing? Is Moreno available to start? I mean, I'm crying a lot. I have no clue, man. Yeah, I mean, it it, it it is really bad, the information that we get. I mean, there's nothing that couldn't have told us, you know, what exactly is going on with Sosa in terms of, A, they they could have told us why he didn't you know wasn't appearing in preseason that much i mean right. he kind of said he had a surgery nobody even told us that he was going to have a surgery I, by the way that was news <laughs> i was I, oh yeah he had a surgery i read that in a tweet saying i'm like oh i didn't know he had surgery what? they did say it but it didn't come out until basically this preseason you're like in the off season you know like we all knew everybody knew every detail about martinez's acl right. surgery but well no
1: and not even Martinez. like it was kind of news that he had like some serious complications yeah. And I, and I realized I didn't want to over broadcast that this personal a little bit, but he really struggled with, uh, multiple recessions in terms of, terms of dealing with that. Right. And I didn't know that until, you know, months after.
0: No idea. So I, I I think that the lack of information in that situation is bad. The lack of information on Alonzo. I mean, so Alonzo travels with the team to Colorado Right. So he's clearly planning on playing. And then all of a sudden he's not available. And they say it's a heart issue. Okay. So, you know, in the dirty South, they were discussing, they're like, okay, a, he has COVID and, and he has a really long-term COVID, which affects your heart Ugh. or B um, he has um, altitude. Right. And he like collapsed or something and none of which are good, and both of which suggest that he's probably going to be out for months, right? And then comes back, and Darren Eels goes on ninety-two-nine The Game, and he says, oh, Alonzo's available, right? So then you're like, okay, weird scare, heart thing. Now he's available. I guess it was just a scare, and he's all right. And it turns out he has an enlarged heart. Did you hear this? No. They it- have diagnosed him with an enlarged heart, which apparently makes you vulnerable to all kinds of things, but he's had it. Presumably, since, his whole presumably. Uh, yeah, and it's, I don't know what Colorado triggered them to look at it. He must have had some episode, but again, there's no information, right? We now no. found out that he has an enlarged heart, um, uh, and he's had it since birth. And apparently, you know, they're like, okay, play on, um, you know, and well, he's fine.
1: Speaking of people who are fine, I watched uh the Brentford Bees uh beat uh, who was it, uh, Watford or Burnley? We saw Erickson, yeah. Yeah, I awesome. never thought I would see that again. I mean, talk about heart recovery. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. So, just
0: for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about Dennis Erickson, um, who is Danish Christian. Uh, Christian Erickson, sorry, yeah. who is uh, Danish and um, and uh, you know he's playing in Italy for Inter Milan, and then in the World Cup he collapsed on the field. He had a heart attack and for he his was nat- dead for his national team. Like yeah.
1: I watched it, and unfortunately, like I actually turned the TV off. As in. Didn't need to see that happen on live
0: TV. Like, right. was,
1: had written him off.
0: Right. And so they did CPR on the field. They brought him back. He has now been fitted with a pacemaker that will jump his heart if there ever has a problem. And, you know, we I think we talked about it in the podcast. But, you know... <laughs> I don't even know the right angry word to say to the Italians. but So the Italians have banned him from ever playing Italian football again because they say he now has an advantage because something's pumping his heart. That's an unfair soccer oh advantage, gosh. which to me is the epitome of terrible lists, right? What, what's the word for it? Do you have a, do you have a word for it, Mike? You know? I'm going to
1: use a Dave Katz term. <laughs> you ready for it?
0: Okay. I'm ready.
1: Shambolic.
0: Yeah, it could even be worse than... Sh- I, I don't have to think about it. It's yeah. worse than shambolic. It's yeah. it's catastrophic. It's, yeah, it's, it's 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 ugly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's ugly. Yeah. That's uh, a good word for it. It's ugly. So, anyway, so apparently um, Alonzo uh, has an enlarged heart. Do you know what other famous sports sort of athlete had an enlarged heart? I do not. <laughs> it's a trick question, kind of, but um, the horse secretariat, the best horse of all time, yeah. when they finally died.
1: I was going to go with Greg LeMond, but that was off the... <laughs> yeah, you know. it would have been a good one, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Greg LeMond, the cyclist, but um, apparently when he died, they did an autopsy, and it turned out he had like a four or five times enlarged heart compared to a normal horse. Huh. Um. So, you know, Alonzo, people wonder why he's defensive midfielder extraordinaire and covers all this. So know, he's got stands. an advantage is what you're saying. He
1: does, but it's a genetic advantage. Yeah. Well, isn't that how most advantages happen? Genetics, I would imagine. Yeah. So anyway. Dave, you so, know a little bit about this. I would <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: so, you know, going back to what's going to happen at Montreal, the question is what's the team that's going to play? Um, is Almada going to be ready after one week of training to start? Is Moreno ever going to start a game this year?
1: Yes, I think A, Moreno is going to
0: start a game this year. Right now, I think the answer is no. Dude, he looks too good not to start. He there. looks amazing, but there has to be a physical reason why they're not starting him. Caution. If that's caution, I think that that's madness. And, and, um, the one thing I think you can be critical of Atlanta United or Pineda is they have been over-cautious with injuries.
1: Do you think that's a product of Pineda or, like, the organization culture of how ML- I think it's the ML- culture. MLS, you know, <clears throat> the medics work and all? Like, it's it's different than even European football, the way that they treat that culturally within the MLS, I think. No.
0: We're going to see. I'm going to predict, though. I'm going to predict that Araujo is back at four weeks. Man, I hope so. Because I don't think that hamstring pull was that bad.
1: I don't think so either. I also don't think just watching. I mean, look, watching Moreno play, (laughs) like I hear what you're saying. He's got obviously some sort of systemic. Is that how you say it? Systemic problem. That's clear, right? He does. Like that foot injury. It's like a Julio Jones type of <laughs> yeah right fo- foot injury right, right? Yeah. And so you've got a ma- he's got a they they're managing it but I still don't think that it's going to prevent uh, Pineda from pulling the trigger on having him start and play a good number of minutes and uh, I yeah I holy cow if if the Mama is out on the field like that's that's way better than Bane. well you're
0: not going to get Mama because Arujo. Montreal would be three weeks. No, not
1: um, not during Montreal. I'm just saying at any point, right? Oh like God, we barely ever saw Bam. Bam Bare, ha- barely. Bam was like seeing a yeti setting. So <laughs> if we ever see Mama, like we might be, we might be the MLS Cup final. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, so look, when Araujo played for his first twenty minutes before he got hurt or whatever it was, um, he looked like a dynamic Dynamite, like you yeah. haven't seen in an MLS very much. Um, Moreno has looked every bit the piece of his, his best playing for the year. Um, obviously we'd have no idea yet about Almada but honestly even at that point if Almada's a bust um, defensively Sosa, Alonso look phenomenal. Um, Hernandez Gutman and we have <laughs> terrific three center backs. Yeah. So um, that's a team Mikey Dobbs. It's a yeah. real team and and I have to give it all credit to Pineda. He's not overthinking it, and he's just putting the best players out there. So, um, so yeah, that, I think we've talked about it all, right? Even the upcoming game. So, what's your prediction for Montreal? You gonna make a prediction?
1: Yeah, uh, I think we win um, three to one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think you know as much as I thought we were gonna struggle out of the gate. Um, I feel like maybe we've dodged a bullet and Pineda pulled off what I was hoping he would. And I feel like now maybe in Montreal um, we stretch our legs a little bit. I'm not sure we score three. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0, but also a two-goal win. I like that even better, honestly. Um, so. Maybe we finally see the first shutout. Maybe even you see, um, for example, some minutes from Sosa. Um. Yeah.
1: So March is a great month for soccer. Ooh, it's first off, we got St. Patrick's Day coming up on Thursday. We've got the EPL in full gear for relegation and all the top four position stuff. Go Wolves! Let's let's try to get in there, number six. Mikey
0: Dobbs' team Leeds, That was gonna be so good. Are probably getting relegated. No,
1: I, <laughs> I think Leeds is okay. It's Everton that's got to be worried. Leeds right now is. They, they won the other day, though. Yeah, they sure okay. did. They won. Those are an important three points, Dave. I thought that. While, <laughs> while Everton lost. Because Jesse Marsh
0: is their coach now, and had, right? Yeah, and he, he got his win. first win. You're darn skippy. Oh, I somehow missed that. Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: So. Um <laughs> the u.s so, coach pulling it out so back to so u.s let's go back to march soccer we've got yep. world cup qualifiers coming up for the yep. u.s men's national team but before we get to that dave didn't you go to uh the u.s women's national team game uh what two three weeks ago
0: yeah my daughter and i went out to la to the she believes cup um to see the u.s versus new zealand um talk about a dynamic um three own
1: goals <laughs>
0: <laughs> well there were three own goals from new zealand the first 20 minutes thank um, you new zealand kiwis <laughs> and you've got to give it you got to feel bad for her that's never happened in international soccer before and they <laughs> substituted her i watched it i was like oh boy the first one was terrible right the first yeah. one was a cross and she literally shanked it into her own goal the other two the second one had nothing to do with own goal it was a header that just like basically glanced off her shoulder and went in You're not going to do anything about that. Yeah. Um, The third one was sort of in between. Uh, It was right at the end line. It was a really tight cross and just slammed it into her. If she had done really well, she would have not given up the own goal, but it wasn't a terrible own goal. Uh. (laughs) So what did Anna think of
1: the experience? Is that her first uh, game? Her
0: first women's national team game. Um, And, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing that I love – Talk about, you know, the world. I mean, you know, on the the podcast, we don't talk about world events, thankfully, and we're not going to now, but there are some things in the world that are going on that are not so great. And um, one of the things that, to me, suggests real progress and a reason to hope about this world, uh, when you go to women's U.S. national team games, you see boys – wearing women's national team jerseys idolizing the women's players that to me is fantastic right on now back to the boys i mean the girls too but the girls have been idolizing that women's national team for forever um and it just suggests that you know for a while the women's soccer was considered to be second class or whatever and they're not they mean they're, they're way better than the men um And to have people be like, no, this is really amazing, and I can idolize, you know, the best U.S. women, the best U.S. national team player in the country, which is probably a woman, um, is awesome.
1: Agreed. And so, back, so I was going to say, back to the boys, which is are still making us nervous (laughs) to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, Everybody's rooting for them. We've got to
0: win, right? We've got the
1: final leg coming up of qualification. Tell us a little bit about what you expect. The big big game is Panama, correct?
0: Correct. We have to win. If we win, I think that we clinch it, right? Um I think so, yeah. Um but we well, got no Weston McKinney. Oh, um man. so he broke his foot in two places and he's out for the rest of the season. Uh Mock's not, not good. <laughs> I mean he's yeah. not good for qualifying, although one thing you'll say is he's been playing so many matches, you know. The rest is maybe not the worst thing considering Um, You know, it's going to be a funny World Cup. We've talked about it a little bit. But so the World Cup is coming in December. Um, Here in the U.S., you're going to be watching World Cup soccer um, over Christmas, basically leading up into the holidays. And and I think, you know, the the final games are are close to Christmas. Um, So
1: I'm just literally going to be stuck in front of a TV all through the holiday (laughs) breaks, it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to get the, uh, so the Christmas fifteen. Start like around Thanksgiving? and Yeah, yeah. basically so Thanksgiving and Christmas. Forget it. I'm going to yeah. be like,
0: another waffle and mint, please. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I know I look great on the YouTube already with my dad bod.
0: And, uh, <laughs> There's yeah. a couple of dad bods on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, but, but anyway, my point being that, you know, so it's interesting. So I have always said, you know, that the unusual thing about the U.S., is that we have World Cup in the middle of the MLS season, right? Typically, it's in the summer, yeah, right? And I have always said that, you know, at some level, all of the European players are coming off a super long season and they have to extend it to play in the World Cup. It has shown in the World Cup in that a lot of the world stars have been... Just exhausted, yeah, yeah, and and really, the best players have often been young and up and coming players. So you know, if you're a World Cup coach out there listening, right, the formula is to have a really good solid unit, don't give up goals, and have one or two young creative attackers who haven't played all those matches in the season or just hitting their stride. That's the way you win. Um, but <laughs> it's a different it's a different strategy. But now it's going to be different. So I've always said that. Um, The U.S. could potentially win the World Cup a little bit before we're ready because we could have MLS players all in stride. Um, Two things that have happened. One, um, most of the best players are now playing in Europe. So forget that. Um, Yeah. And now, of course, for this year, the World Cup has been shifted to December. So now I would say the advantage goes back to Europe. Um, those players are going to be in mid-season form but not yet tired, whereas the MLS players are going to be right at the end of the season and exhausted. Yeah. That's my point. So we've talked about it all, Dave. Anything else? Yeah, once you get the (laughs) World Cup strategy, then I think we've talked about it all. For sure.
1: Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a good evening. This is ATL on Fire. Thanks for supporting us. Watch the... Montreal game at Saturday. What's kickoff? Uh, 4:30. Four or
0: 4:30.
1: All right. Thanks everybody. Take care.